911, what's the nature of your emergency? Welcome back to another episode of Tactical Living by Leo Warriors. I'm your host, Ashley Walton. And I'm your co-host, Clint Walton. In today's episode, we're going to dive into part three of our PTSD and suicide awareness. As we continue down this week of Suicide Awareness Week. And for today, we're going to dive into mostly detection and treatment. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy today's content. We're going to continue reading from an article that I found on save.org. And one thing that they point out is the different ways that PTSD is detected. Of course, they go on to discuss that a medical doctor, mental health professional, social worker, psychologist, or any other type of psychotherapist are the ones that are going to be able to quote unquote diagnose you with having PTSD. And we know from many things we've talked about in the past that there are so many people that will go undiagnosed because they don't want to seek that professional help. They don't want to have that negative label placed on them. To be diagnosed, a person must have all of the following symptoms for at least one month. This says that they have to have at least one re-experiencing symptom at least three avoidance of symptoms, at least two hyperarousal symptoms, and symptoms that interfere with daily life, such as going to school or work, being with friends, or taking care of important tasks. I think it's important to point out that if you think you have PTSD, or if you are now thinking that you might have symptoms that are attributed to a a traumatic situation that you've experienced in the past, this isn't an all for one. I think for most people, if they were to sit with a different medical professional, their guidelines would be a little bit different. There's a lot of different ways that PTSD is treated. A lot of times, patients that have PTSD will go to different cognitive behavioral therapists. They'll use medications or they'll do both. The different types of cognitive behavioral therapy are exposure therapy. And save.org goes on to explain that this type of therapy helps people to face and control their fears. It exposes them to the trauma that they experience in a safe way. It uses mental imagery, writing, or it allows them to visit the place where the event happened. Sometimes the therapist will use tools to help people with PTSD cope with their feelings. Another treatment is cognitive restructuring. This therapy helps people make sense of their bad memories. Sometimes people remember the event differently than how it really happened. They might feel guilt or shame about what's not their fault. The therapist often helps people with PTSD to look at what happened in a more realistic way. Stress inoculation therapy is a type of therapy that reduces the symptoms of PTSD by teaching a person how to reduce reduce the anxiety, like cognitive restructuring. This treatment helps people look at their memories in a healthy way. 
And as you sit there, a lot of this might sound like woo-woo therapy, and I get it. I get it because that's a part of the avoidance. That's a part of what we're trained to avoid. What we're trained to think is not okay. What we're molded to believe makes us less than. And I think that's so far from the truth. And Clint, you've shared a lot of details with me about your grandpa and what he experienced in the war and how having some of these outlets might have made all the difference in the world for him and your family. Yeah, I remember growing up and hearing stories of how cranky my grandpa was and just knowing knowing him throughout my life, I've, I've seen it. I've seen his reactions towards things. I've seen how he's handled situations and, and until he found a point in his own life where he was able to handle it within himself. I think he suffered from severe PTSD from the Korean War. little background on my grandpa. He was a sergeant in the Marines in the Korean War. He served at the Chosen Reservoir. And that alone was taxing on anybody. They called them the frozen chosen? Yeah, they the whole if you're not familiar with the Korean War and, and the the chosen reservoir, it's it there was a battle that lasted for months in the middle of winter against the North Koreans along with the Chinese. The Chinese fought that for many years, saying that they weren't in the war, but eventually they came out and said that they were there. But during this, the the group of soldiers that were surrounded by the North Koreans and Chinese were stuck in frigid temperatures of below zero at night and a little above zero at daytime consistently without any new food or clothing or weapons being replenished to them because they were completely surrounded and they did this for months and it kind of just took a toll and on my grandpa specifically as I got older and and Anyone who knows me knows that I'm a war buff. I love learning about American history wars. I started to talk to him about his time at the Chosen Reservoir. And every time we'd start talking about it, he would just start saying, oh, it's so cold. And I can literally see him folding his arms across his chest and rubbing his arms together like he was in that situation again. When it got to that point when he would just keep repeating, it's so cold, it's so cold, and, and rubbing himself, I would I would stop asking him any questions and, and I would kind of change the subject. But I could see, even in his older age, I want to say at the time it was in his 80s, he still had unresolved issues sitting around that. I want to say one in two soldiers walked away from the chosen 
reservoir with frostbite? If not, if they even walked away at all. And just knowing that, I wish I would have known more of the history growing up. But I heard stories of him out mowing the front yard and kids driving by with cap guns. This is, of course, back in the 60s and 70s. So it was when my dad was young and he would react. He would push the lawnmower to the side and jump behind a bush. And my dad would see him do that and he would just completely freak out. So my grandpa turned to alcohol. He drank for many years trying to numb the pain, numb those emotions, because that's not something that he was supposed to talk about. It's not something that he was supposed to share or seek help for. It was something that he was a man, so he just had to rub some dirt on it and get on with his life. Luckily, he found his own coping methods as he got older, and he was able to live with those traumatic experiences throughout the rest of his life, even though in certain instances you could tell it was brought up for him. That's just one of many signs that my grandpa experienced just based off of his combat experience in the Korean War. And there's so many veterans going back from World War II to Korean War to Vietnam to the Iraq War to the war on terror in Afghanistan to what we're still fighting now. These guys are taught just to rub dirt on it and push through. It has gotten better. But that whole concept of just push through, that's what you're getting paid to do. That's what you signed up for. That stigma is still there. And that stigma needs to break because that's only us holding on to our own egos of what that story is. I'm really glad that you said that we need to let go of that ego because we had this association with these men and women in uniform, be it a first responder, be it a military member. But we never give credit to what's inside. And a lot of times there are some hollow pieces that need to be filled back up. It's like they get stolen from you. And it's okay and important to recognize those hollow pieces. And the reason I say this is because save.org has this huge list of, it's a checklist of different problems or symptoms that people with PTSD might exhibit. And I'm going to post it in the show notes. I, I think it's important to know that if you do experience these symptoms, these symptoms, especially if they're ongoing, that it's okay for you to reach out and maybe schedule an appointment with a professional. Yes, it's okay to say you're making an appointment with a professional. That's a part of getting over that ego. If you feel like there's something inside that's missing or anything that's preventing you from living your life to your fullest capabilities, you're doing the world a disservice by not allowing everybody to experience who you truly are. And most importantly, you're doing yourself a disservice by not allowing yourself to live the life that you deserve. 
And I believe that everybody deserves to live their life to the maximum capacity. That's the whole point. And when you understand that and you know that you're worth it and you deserve it, and if that first step for you means reaching out to Clint or myself, please do. And as you sit there, know that if you don't feel like you have anyone in your corner, you do. We are in your corner. And if you have nobody who can wrap their arms around you, know that we are giving you the biggest hug from our studio straight to you wherever you're listening to this. And if you feel like you don't have that love in your life or that love to give, know that you do. You have brothers and sisters who are surrounding you that you just might not have met yet. And we love you. You are loved. And when you know that you're not alone and you do have someone, even if that someone is a simple a simple voice coming to you through the speakers, then you're really able to enjoy your tactical living. <laughs>